The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Super J Cast. I'm Joel, joined by Arthur and Damon McDonald. Today, we've got uh, full three of us today. Three's a crowd, but not the Super J Cast. Uh, it is Sunday, thirtieth of April. This is episode two hundred and fifty-six. Uh, Damon, what's going on? Ah, uh, uh, it's a wonderful weekend. Wonderful weekend, everyone. We've just been chatting about Vincent Van Gogh together. The That's culture right. gentlemen that we are. Right, we're cutting I've off each other's the, uh, what, What's it called? Van- <laughs> <laughs> Go experiencing different parts of uh, mental breakdowns yes. and uh, creating some beautiful art in the process. Absolutely, the uh, famous—he's uh, sunflowers, right? He's the sunflower guy. Yeah, and there was a Doctor Who episode about him too. That's the only thing I, uh, else I know too. <laughs> So that's it. He, he cut up his ear. He did the sun, the uh, sunflowers, and there was a Doctor Who episode about him. That is word for word uh, the information that was delivered at the Van Gogh Alive exhibition that we both went to. So you, you memorized it all, Damon. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. I'm well cultured. Well cultured. Well cultured. Well cultured. Uh, yeah. So there is uh, there is joy. There is joy in. Um, my heart and in my soul, as uh, for those of you who are unaware, the mighty Toronto Maple Leafs have finally broken their cursed streak and have won a playoff round, which uh, doesn't necessarily uh, mean a lot to a lot of people. But for Toronto Maple Leafs fans, it is massive. It is massive because we haven't done so since 2009. Uh, the, let's put it this way. YouTube was not out, <laughs> right? When the Maple Leafs won a playoff round. So, uh, usually we're on the losing end and our season is over, but not this time we are winners and we will go on to the second round and play the winner of tonight's game, Boston against Florida. Uh, Booze writes in and says, would Damon be willing to get onto the ice to implore the Leafs to stop shitting the bed with the same energy of the lady that got into the Noah ring today? 
and Multiverse Aces with both your teams having interesting weeks. What New Japan moment has given Damon as much joy as the Leafs winning their first series in 19 years? Ooh. And what New Japan moment has caused Joel as much agony as Man City's 4-1 route of Arsenal and Michael C.C. Uh, lumps in as well. What's the biggest bottle job Arsenal this season or Okada beating Goto in 2016? So let, let's uh, celebrate your sporting joys, first of all. Let's, let's stick with the positives. Um, yeah, what New Japan moment has, give, has given you as much joy as would potentially seeing them win the first series since 2009? Wow. Uh, Wait, the first series in 19 years? Yes. Yes. Wow. 19 years. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I know people who have had kids and they're they're in college. (laughs) Yes. That's the same as Arsenal, isn't it? We we haven't won the league since 2004. So, um, yeah, we're in the same boat. But But uh, your team... We didn't... didn't, I'm not not going to say anything. I don't want to jinx it. I'm not jinxing it. No. We... I mean, again, we have... I mean, sure. I mean, uh, listen, we, we have to win one round to win two and then win three. Um, you have to start somewhere, and, and here it is. Um, but again, it's not like we won a championship. This is just just moving on in the for the opportunity, you know, down the road <laughs> to win the championship. Uh, that's how pathetic it is. But sad but true, it it, it it you know it is. But and again, here's what's good too. We also uh, beat the team that a eliminated us. Last year, right, we lost in overtime or lost in game seven, rather. Uh, that's when I went down to Washington, didn't even watch the game because uh, it was on at the same time as the Washington New Japan show. And I was just looking on my phone and I was just like, what the fuck? You're going to fucking lose again. You're going to fucking lose again. Um, and then the year before that, it was, I, I, again, I, I don't need to rehash all of it. But uh, what New Japan moment? Hmm, that's a really great question because I got to be honest with you. I was so fucking happy last night like uh when when that goal was scored in overtime clinching it i i squealed like a little girl i i was so happy like i mean it was just fucking it just felt good finally it felt good being a maple leafs fan finally it felt good usually again this time I would be like, oh, okay, game seven, we're going to lose, and that's going to be that. No, we finally did it. Um, and again, 19 years. I know people who have had kids. I know, I, I just, it's a long fucking time. Uh, but the New Japan mm, equivalent of that would be, uh, I got to be honest with you, the same feeling was uh, probably the, Tanahashi Okada match from from the dome just watching that and the excitement of it and the nervousness of it and the near falls and and I I mean I had a very similar feeling where I couldn't fall back asleep and I wanted to talk to people about it and I wound up you know just kind of pushing through and staying up and we went to a diner <laughs> we went to we went to a diner uh just to get breakfast just because we were up and everybody and everybody was pumped and excited. So maybe that would be the uh, new Japan equivalent, like that kind of thing of you're just so buzzed and, and happy and full of energy uh, that you can't sleep. <laughs> and that's exactly what it was last night. It was very, 
very pleasing feeling. It hasn't happened in a long fucking time for me. Uh, but that was what it was. Finally feeling good being a Maple Leafs fan. I wish I could share those positive vibes as an Arsenal fan, but the wheels have well and truly come off for us. Um, but I, to, to answer Multiverse Ace's question, the hammering we got from City last week did not cause me agony. On the contrary, it caused me relief because I didn't set an alarm for it because this kicked off at 2 a.m. my time. Um, I just happened to wake up. It was about 2 o'clock, so I thought oh, I'll put it on. So I had it on in the background, got up, went to go to the toilet for a wee. And as I was having my wee, I could hear in the background, and it's a goal for City, Kevin De Bruyne has scored. And so I thought, great, I'm going to turn it off and go back to sleep because we could get an absolute pasting here. And so it turned out. So I'm really grateful to Man City for um, getting the job done nice and early so I could actually get a, a decent night's kip. Um, I was not really stressed or anxious about the match because I just knew we were going to get our heads kicked in because City are way better than us. So... I think we've done really well to get this far. I, I'm, I'm, you know, if I separate myself from the fact that we have been top of the league all season, um, then yeah, that is disappointing to to fall away at the end. And and I think the real heartbreak came after we threw away that two goal lead at Liverpool because championship winning teams don't do that. You know, championship winning teams take a two nil lead and turn it into a three nil lead, or just like stifle the game and don't let the the other team back into it. So. I think when we right. threw away that game, then that was it. I think, you know, that, that's not the mentality of a, a team that's that's going to win the Premier League. So um, I'm not going to call it a, a bottle job. I just think, you know, we've had key injuries. Um, and um, yeah, second place is fine. I'll, I'll be pretty happy with that. If you'd offered me that at the start of the season, I would have said great. And look, lest we forget, I think I mentioned it last week, City are uh, money cheats. They've still got you know, like 100 odd. Uh, charges of financial impropriety hanging over their head. So, um, you know, they're, they're cheating bastards. So that makes us the de facto Premier League winners. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> that's, I like that. See, that's a good, that's a good spin on it. Um, how many games are left in, in the uh, Premier League season? Uh, there are... Let me get the table up. Because City are playing as we speak, actually, but I think they're winning against Fulham, they're unlikely to drop any more points. I think they're just going to monster everyone on the way to the title. So, uh, uh, you know, there's still mathematically a chance that we might win the league, but that would require City to not win all their remaining games and us to win all our remaining games. We've got uh, five games left. Um, Okay. And I just, I don't think we're going to win all our games and I don't see City dropping any points because they're just an absolute machine at the moment and steamrolling everyone uh, in Europe and at home. All right. Well, okay, so second place does mean Champions League though, right? Uh, I think that's already mathematically secured, actually. Yeah, we, we already have Champions League okay. in the bag, which all right. is so- great. That's great news. You know, we've got more money coming in. We can bring in some new players over the summer, yep. get a bit more money. And um, we've got a very young squads. You know, hopefully, if we can keep them all, if uh, nobody leaves, then they're only going to get better and we can do some exciting stuff next year, I hope. I still don't think we're going to touch Man City. I don't just... Nobody is, really. I'm, I'm, the Only in recent history, it's been uh, a, one of the best uh, teams I've ever seen in the Premier League in the shape of the Liverpool team that beat them during the pandemic season. Um, but you know the, the number of points you have to accumulate to come close 
is staggering, right? That, that Liverpool team, one season they got 97 points, which is would have won the league in like pretty much any other season, but they still finished second because City got 98 points. And at that point, I was mm. just threw my hands up. I was like, this is, this is mental. Like, there's no way we're ever going to come anywhere close to this. The, the league has been ruined, basically, by um, the, what is it, the Abu Dhabi money that's coming for, for City. And yeah, it's fucked. So um, we, we just turn up and enjoy it, yeah. It does kind of suck because it's just like, who has the biggest bankroll? And I know that baseball was that way for a while. You know, it was like the Yankees were always in it because they could pay the, you know, the top free agents. And yeah, okay, you know, just not you're not like cultivating uh, homegrown talent. Now, again, they did it in many cases with like, you know, Jeter and Mariano Rivera and so forth. But um I, I'm surprised that your your league doesn't have a salary cap in the sense of you can only spend X amount of pounds uh, to construct your team and you have to stay within the confines of that cap. Um, it just seems like whoever can rate the Damn, biggest check. This is, this is England. This is the country that just welcomes in uh, whoever has got the most money from abroad, no questions asked. So this is... Um half of the course for our country we don't ask questions about where the money's come from we just say you've got how much come on in stay as long as you like right i guess if you're, if you're a fan of the team like if you support a certain team and you get that influx of uh outside money uh you're probably pretty happy right you because you kind of see the you know your your prospects improve to to win a championship do you um did you follow the whole Wrexham? Deal. Um, remind me, is that they've they're part owned by some Hollywood actors or something? Yep, Ryan Reynolds. He's the dude that did uh, Deadpool, from what I understand, and uh, Rob uh, McElveney, who uh, I believe I pronounced his name right. Um, he's uh, the guy from uh, Sunny, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Um, yeah, they bought the team and. There's a whole series about it. And then, yeah, they wound up winning their league's championship and being promoted for the first time. And I think it was like 15 years or 19 years or whatever it was. Uh, but there you go. But that, that like, it feels like that's kind of what we're, we're talking about in the sense of, okay, so now Hollywood money comes in, uh, comes into a town and their fortunes turn in two or three years. And now they're, they're top of the league. It's okay. Well, would that have happened if those two guys didn't inject money and eyeballs and you know all of that? And I and I will say that now, and I I don't know if this is true, but does the money that comes in that just goes literally to the team? Correct, like just to the team. It's not spread evenly throughout the league. Correct. That is correct. Yeah, it's all going straight to the team. Um, I mean, I've spoken about this before with other topics, but this is just late-stage capitalism, isn't it? You know, um, everything becomes commodified and consumable. And, um, yeah, this is what happens. You know, Newcastle getting bought out by the Saudis, um, United in talks to get bought out by Qatar, Chelsea being run by American hedge fund billionaires. This this is what happens. You know, it's I, I'm just... My interest in... The Premier League and football as a whole is just hanging on by a thread 
at the moment, just due to the direction that the game's going, where unless you are owned by you know an oil rich nation state, you've got no chance of competing. Right. That's that seems terrible, honestly. That really does. It fe- it feels terrible. And again, I appreciate the fact that teams um you know where they there was no hope now there's hope with that being said it's like all right i mean it's just whoever has the biggest bankroll um do do you foresee well you know what i know the answer to that question i don't see how you can foresee uh some type of salary cap because (laughs) why 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 would you um yeah, why would they do it? There's yeah. there's no incentive for the people running the sport to do that because they're all lining their pockets as well. So um, it would require some sort of altruistic governing body to to be in charge and um, prevent things from happening for the good of the game, you know, whatever that means, that, that nebulous concept. But uh, no, it's too late for that. It's the, the, the horse is well and truly bolted. Mm. Yeah, I mean... If you got money to burn, it's like, you know, okay. Uh, that's a shame. I don't know. I, yeah, I could see I could see where your disappointment is. I could definitely see and feel that. Um, but in the same breath, you, I mean, you do have, I mean, Arsenal's a bit of a cash cow, isn't it? I mean, it can print money at this point, right? Yeah, like we're not a poor club. Like I don't want to misrepresent Arsenal as some sort of rags to riches thing. Like we have spent a lot of money on a lot of players, and we are one of the richer clubs in world football, and we have a you know, colossal amount of income. But you know, I'd like to think all of that was earned by our achievements on the pitch. You know, we used to be in a small stadium, Highbury, thirty-eight thousand capacity. Won a lot of competitions, had a fantastic manager, Arsene Wenger, and reinvested that money to build a new stadium so we could have more income and you know, hopefully compete more long term. That hamstrung us financially, and we ended up suffering for pretty much the next decade just because of the, the financial um, burdens that were put on us by building that stadium. But it, you see, none of this stuff applies to teams like City or Newcastle who can just you know, buy whoever they want, when they want, absolutely no consequences. I think, you know, the one same grace could be that if the outcome of this, um, you know, financial irregularities, charges that have been thrown City's way, if that actually amounts to something substantial, i.e. massive points deduction or enforced relegation, then, yeah, I think that would be pretty much the only way that we could maybe start to reverse this trend, but I just, I don't see that happening. They would do that. They would, they would like force them to be relegated into champions league. The championship. They should do, but I don't think they will. Really? You're saying they will? What else, what else are you going to do? What, what, what other uh, possible meaningful consequence could there be? Like if they say, Oh, you've been cooking your books and, um, taking part in financial doping and you've got an unfair financial advantage over everyone else, have a fine. You know, you've got to pay us, you know, a hundred thousand pounds for all, the, all this naughtiness. It's not going to do the slightest bit of difference, is it? That would be an absolute joke if it's, if the consequence of that is a fine. Okay. But and of course, you know, fine. city can afford to have the best lawyers in the world and sort of clog it up and slow it down with appeals and, you know, bog it all in the courts. But, um, true. The only serious consequence of that, could be and should be points deduction 
it should be relegation. Like there's, in my mind, if I was in charge, that's what it would be. And I'm not just saying that as an Arsenal fan, as a neutral for the good of the sport, that sort of stuff has to be snapped up. But it won't be. You know, this is this is pie in the sky wishful thinking from me. I mean, I just think it's going to. They would just run over everybody. You know, in the league below him, it wouldn't even be a competition at that point. Um, right? I mean, I mean, we're talking the best players in the world now being relegated down to Championship League, and they just run roughshod over everybody. Right? Wouldn't wouldn't that happen? Well, I don't know if their players have relegation clauses in their contracts, which means you know, they're allowed to leave or negotiate with uh, other clubs at a you know, discounted chance of your whatever. Like, I don't know if they would necessarily be able to continue with the exact same squad that's just smashing everyone in, in the Premier League this season. Um, but I don't know. Maybe they'd be forced to sell those players. I don't know. Like, they should. That's what I'm saying. Like, that, rebrand that, themselves, start I, from I, scratch, I, bring in some local players from Manchester, build, you know, build a nice yep. sort of young English core to their team, win everyone back on sides, and, and get themselves promoted with a, a different ideology. If they were fined, would that money be pulled into the league and be distributed to, say, teams that do not? Uh, or you know, or either were relegated or on the verge of being relegated. Could that be a possibility? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm, it, it would just be guesswork on my part to answer that. All right. All right. We'll take your calls after this on Premier League Sunday. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> How long have we done of that? I was going to tell uh, an amusing anecdote about me scraping my leg at school sports day, and now there's no time for that. No, no, no. We got plenty of time. Do it. Because what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about road to Duntaku shows. And <laughs> come on, nobody cares about right. that. You want to hear my silly story then? Yes. Okay. So sports day at school. Uh, we're doing our teacher relay race on the astroturf pitches. So this is artificial grass, oh. and yes. I um I had to do two laps because. Our team had one fewer person than everyone else. So I ran the first lap and the last lap. And on the last one, I just got it into my head. I'm going to do a, a cool slide. Oh, <laughs> yes. my God. And I'm, going to, I'm, going to do, I'm going to do a dramatic slide and, you know, pip another team to the post. Uh, but the two teams already finished before me, like well before. So And the team that was behind me was well behind me as well. So there was no one close to me. So there's absolutely no reason for me to do it. But I thought, you know, I I think maybe the kids will find it really cool and funny if I did this. So I just did this big slide and just completely scraped all the skin off my shin on the AstroTurf. I was like, ah! So now I've got no skin left on my legs. Oh, my God. Were you bleeding? Yeah. It's like, what a fucking idiotic thing to do. That is great. So you're thinking, uh, like, like a, like a, like a, like a football goal, right? Like you're, you, you scored. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like a football, like a, a defender sliding in for a last ditch goal line clearance or something. Uh, that's what I and I had this visions of glory where I'd be like, my foot would be stretched out and they'd be like, no, nah, Mr. Joel managed to win it for his team. He was, you know, th- three centimeters in front of Mr. Matt and. Mr. Joel's team of the winner and all the kids would go, yay, and like carrying me off on their shoulders, boss <laughs> offering me a promotion. That's how it was playing out in my head. Right. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that is fantastic. Uh, how long How long were the laps? Like how long? Uh, uh, give, me, give me a distance of what you had to run. Um, about 100 meters. It was not, not very far at all. Like, I'd say 50, 
50 meters forward around a cone and then back again. Like, okay. Short. All right. All right. So it's not like you're running a fucking pitch length. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Cool. All right. No, wow. I'd be dead if that if I was required to do that. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, who else was on your team? What, did you have a good team or was just the, sh- you know, you were, you were carrying it? Yeah, I was, I was carrying it. Just absolute fucking dregs oh, wow. of the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> in a sporting sense, anyway. I mean, they're all fantastic educational professionals. They're not listening to this. Uh, they right. can't run for shit. No. What can I say? I can't lie. Oh, God. <laughs> Old and fat and just... <laughs> they're there to have fun. Uh, boo. Yeah, and, and uh, treating the competition with a contempt that it deserved. But like, <laughs> fucking idiot me thinking. <laughs> Death or glory. Ah! <laughs> no, I can't walk. I love it. I love it. I just love the picture of a bunch of little kids carrying Joel off on their shoulders while Joel with his two fists in the air celebrating his big win. Oh, I got to find a way to mid-journey that. <laughs> Put that on. I need a picture of it. I need, I need AI to create a, uh, a visualization for me for that one. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, there you go. I mean, listen, it's a very... Um, very important sports time of the year. I think everybody's very excited. I appreciate every. I got so many texts when when they finally won. I I swear I didn't I didn't know I had that many friends or 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 at least people who had my number. Um, that was nice. It was it felt good. I didn't go to bed until like two in the morning. I didn't go to bed till two in the morning because I was so excited. Ah, <sighs> little victories, little little things in life that you look forward to and. Uh, that, that was a moment. Speaking of little things to look forward to, Road to Dantaku. <laughs> uh, I know what you're looking forward to, Damon. Uh, after the big d- discussion we had last week about how essentially all of the strong championship titles are obsolete and they should get rid of them all, right? right. That, you, you remember that conversation? Yeah? I certainly do. Yeah. Uh, now, AWCMLL Stardom New Japan in one night tournament for strong women's gold. So they, <laughs> they made a new strong title. <laughs> so it's going to be a tournament at the oh. Long Beach show at Resurgence on uh, May 21st, where we've got uh, Stephanie Vaquer. I apologize if I've pronounced that incorrectly, which I almost certainly have. And Mercedes Monet on one side of the bracket with Momo Kogo on the other side and Will- versus Willow Nightingale. So representation from the four companies. And now there are. Uh, <laughs> there are uh, more women's belts in New Japan than there are contracted women's wrestlers. Right, right, exactly. Holy shit! What? what? Like, is this like uh, the belt that will be defended in the United States so that Monet can have something to defend? I mean, that's the only possible th- rationale I can think of of having another title. Uh, uh, yes, and that, that rationale will last for about a month right. until something changes or someone gets injured or they lose interest and then it becomes something else or gets forgotten about. This is all, all, what happens with New Japan. They come up with an idea for a new title with a, an ethos behind it and an identity. This is this title, it's going to be for this. And then a month later, it's something so, completely different because right. the, the people who put these titles have got the attention span of a, a goldfish. Oh, my God. Like at this point, it's becoming how many people on the roster don't have a title, <laughs> you know, even great. Doesn't uh, uh, isn't Okan still like the Rev Pro champion? 
<laughs> yeah, I was going to uh, challenge you and say, can you name all of the New Japan titles and champions? But, okay. Well, okay. Well, Red Pro is not really a New Japan. You, you want to have a go? Yeah, 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 yeah. I no, definitely that doesn't count. Okay. Uh, but again, uh, Red Pro, not necessarily New Japan Championship, but it's something that, you know, is carded out uh, often. Okay, so uh, we'll put that one in the in the mid range. Uh, okay, uh, so Sonata. We'll start from the top. Sonata, um, Kenny Omega is your U.S. champion. Your never open weight champion is uh, Tamatanga. Still right? Am I wrong? I think I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck's the never title? Uh, never champion. Uh, uh, well, the strong champion is Kenta. Uh, tag team champions are uh, United Empire's Aussie Open. Um, the junior tag champions are now Kushida and um, Kevin um, Knight. Uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good here, I think. Uh, never six-man tag team champions are... Um, oh, uh, strong style, right? Strong style. Yes, correct. All right. All right. Um, junior champion is, uh, Hiromu. Um, what other belts are there? Um, the IWGP. So this is part of the challenge. I'm actually yeah. trying to remember what the fucking titles <laughs> women's are. In the first title, women's title is being held by, uh, I don't ever get, uh, Carrie Singh, is it? I'm not sure. Who knows? Uh, no. The, who that's, is it? Uh, Mayu Iwatani is the IWGP women's title holder. Ah, yes. You're right. Um, I, didn't, I didn't get around to, to uh, seeing it. Uh, I heard it was pretty good, though, the whole show. Um and well, the TV champion podcast. move along <laughs> right right uh TV champion is Zack Saber Jr. Uh I can't believe all these people are champions like I mean I'm, we're going through a list here and it's taking me at least a couple minutes to name everyone who's a I haven't uh, okay oh, PW champion is um now Tai Chi right correct uh, yeah, spoiler put some alert. respect on that, some bitch. <laughs> My bad. My bad. Uh, that's it, right? That those are the the titles for New Japan, right? Did I miss any? No, you've missed two. I missed two. Just that I can think of. All right, let me yeah. think. I missed two. All right, I did the juniors. I did the never. I did the U.S. I did the heavyweight, uh, the strong, strong tag team. Wait, champion. did you do strong? Yeah, I did strong. Kenta, right? Yeah. Okay, and strong tag. Okay. Uh, right, I got to do strong tag, which is is that you know Empire Two, right? Yeah, specifically which United Empire team? Oh shit! Um, it's uh, Aussie Open still, right? Yes, it is. Okay, I think that's all of them. I think that's all twelve titles, soon to be thirteen. Um, you did a great job there, Damon. Thank you. Thank you very much. 
it's pretty good that I did that, being that I do a New Japan Pro Wrestling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be very. That be is very, a lot, though. I mean, twelve titles. That's. It is crazy. I, I wouldn't have blamed you for missing some of them. It is crazy. Seriously, think of. I, I just want everyone to just pause, whatever they're doing, and just say out loud to themselves, or you know, to whomever you might be with. New Japan Pro Wrestling has twelve. Do we count twelve? Twelve titles that people can t- can contend for that is preposterous absolutely well uh, like what which which of the 12 should i give a shit about which of the 12 should i invest my time and energy in because everyone's it's it, it, it literally is like uh you know your grade school situation where everyone gets a participation award. That's what it feels like. Everyone gets a participation award. Uh, and, the, and, it, and let's be honest here. That doesn't even include stuff like uh, New Japan Cup, G1, you know, those, uh, you know, outlier tournaments that are important too. Um, it's crazy how many titles this company has. Like, even at their worst, even at their worst, WWF, WWE, WCW, never never sniffed 12 titles in a promotion. It's, it's, I, I'm, I'm, it is unbelievable. Like, <laughs> I'm laughing because it's just ludicrous. I can't I can't give you I can't get past it. I can't get past a double digit number of titles for a wrestling promotion. Oh. And and people wonder why I hand wave and eye roll and and give you your ugh and all that stuff, you know. You you you'd think that I didn't give a shit about the promotion. I do. I absolutely do. The problem is is that I only have so much care to go around. I, you know, like, like, what am I supposed to care about here? Uh, it's just, it, what it does is it dribbles down and it devalues the titles that I need to care about, right? And it devalues the things that we should care about. Remember back when, you know, the titles meant something titles should mean something that's what that, i mean that's one of the key components of what makes and made new japan so great is that not everyone can be a champion everyone can be a champion in new japan <laughs> just show up uh, hop in the ring grab a microphone point at their point at them and then uh boom you got a good chance of winning something unbelievable so that's my rant for titles i i can't believe it but yes here we are well i think you're right when you said that this title looks like it's being handcraft for mercedes to hold and, and defend at these u.s shows um but i don't know i mean i'm just looking at the sales for resurgence they are not flying off the shelf like they did for 
Mercedes' first match uh, announced against Kyrie. Don't know what to read into this. Is this just like the sort of new toy shine wearing off a bit? I mean, I'm absolutely not saying diminishing returns, pull the plug on Mercedes, because that's not what I think at all. But it is, is interesting to just to look at the ticket sales and from a purely business perspective that they are not selling as well as they were for her first match. No, and and uh, cor- and correct me if I'm wrong. Both occurred in California, correct? Roughly the same area, correct? Yeah. Okay. I mean, is there any reason why we can't run anywhere else? Because I I've, I have a pretty good feeling that if they ran, I don't know, Washington, if they ran, I don't know, Seattle, if they ran. At just something that's not in the same spot. Like people saw it already. Like the novelty of seeing her in a New Japan ring. Okay, you have fifty states you could do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like why would you double up on the same location? That doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, I mean, unless she doesn't. I mean, I, I think she lives in. California, so maybe she's just okay. You know, we're going to do it fucking here. Um, but wouldn't you go somewhere else? Because wouldn't that guarantee that freshness ticket sale, that freshness uh, gate to see her in a ring live? People who wanted to see it already saw it. Like, why would you do it again in the same location? Zero sense to me. Makes zero sense to me. Yeah, well, that would require New Japan to think carefully about which US venues they're running their shows in, which is impossible for them, as yeah. we've figured out over the last few years. But um, there we go. Um, I think, that, I mean, the tournament should be a lot of fun anyway. I mean, there's some high quality talent in there. I'm particularly looking forward to seeing Willow Nightingale. I've heard really good stuff about her. So, yeah, that'll be uh, exciting uh, at the very least, you know, even if we've got another fucking title to um, forget about in a few weeks. Uh, let's move on and talk about the entrance for the best of Super Juniors 30. Um, I okay. deeply apologize to anyone who I spoiled, who we spoiled with our um, laser pointed uh, p- predictions. They were just predictions, Damon, uh, yeah. last week um, for, for a tiny slice of clout. Um, but hey, we've got A Block, we've got Hiromu, Taguchi, Doki, Ishimori, Sho, TJP, Titan, Kushida, Leo Rush, and Mike Bailey. And in B Block, we've got Despi. Wato, Yo, Kanemaru, Bushi, Clark Connors, Robbie Eagles, Francesco Akira, Kevin Knight, and Dan Maloney. So, first blush, Damon, what do you think of that field of 20? Because it looks pretty fucking strong to me. I like it. I do too. I think it's I think it's very strong. Um I'm just happy my my Maloney sandwich joke will fucking stick. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm thrilled with, to be honest. Uh, it's a good deep lineup, uh, I think. And I think people who might be a little bit whiny about the lineup uh, aren't familiar with a lot of the guys that are coming in. Uh, that's the only excuse I can I can think of. Uh, they're just not. They they just don't know what they're in for. And I think it, I think I think it, it's I don't know if I would put it up there with the greatest of lineups, um, but if we're 
if we're considering who would possibly be available, and I know people are going to be, well, where's AEW in this? Blah, blah, blah. Like, like, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, who, who, who would you want? Who in AEW would look, you look, look, let's just say New Japan, New Japan is not a satellite feeder promotion right. for AEW wrestlers to, to get their reps in. I mean, and, and if an AEW wrestler enjoys Japanese wrestling, sorry, that's not a good enough criteria for them to enter best of the super juniors. If it's Thank someone you. who would benefit getting their reps in and, oh, they, they do, they'd learn so much being on best of the super juniors. Sorry, that's not a good enough criteria for being best of the super juniors. It's called best of the super juniors, not some of the super juniors. So <laughs> unless there is a, a standout candidate. And I know AEW, they don't even do the, the weight class stuff. I don't even know if Tony Khan likes having his guys labeled as juniors. And look, I'll say, I thought... um What's his name? Wheeler Utah last year was a bit of a disappointment. So after all the hype that he had coming in, he was he was okay. He was fine. He didn't do badly, but it wasn't something where I thought, wow, we've got to get more of these guys. And look, Tony Khan's booking his own promotion. He needs his guys. And in terms of regulars on the, the New Japan roster, we said it last week, that were 18 guys we listed. So there are only two available spots. So, you know, it's not like they had huge open sways of space to other companies to to fill the gaps in I mean, we had to say no to a lot of other partner promotions there's no well i was going to say no impact representation it depends on whether you consider mike bailey impact representation uh, a lot of people thought soberano might be in there after the great fantastic mania he had no space for him either so you've got to be i think you know these are I was going to say elite but i don't want to say elite but you've got to be good to be in the best of the super juniors and um I'm pretty happy with this lineup. I think it's going to be really great. Are, are there any blocks in particular that you think are, are going to be stand out here? Which one do you think is a stronger field? Well, as weird as this sounds, like I'm actually kind of curious about Master Watto. Like I feel like I don't know. Is this I I I, I feel relatively optimistic about him and his chances of at least oh, maybe not win. It it's the first signs of Watomania. <laughs> it's not Watomania. But I just I don't know. I I'm I'm at the very least I'm willing to let's see. Let's see where we are. Right? A lot of people are are uh on the bandwagon great. And I think some of it started out ironically um but you know let's see let's see let's see where we are in him because to me it's this is vitally important for him to 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 shine here um and if he doesn't then okay i'm right and everyone's wrong and you know it's, you know wouldn't be the first time right <laughs> it won't be first time uh but we'll see you know what? We'll see. Uh, uh, that's 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 what I'll give you. Um, I think Mike Bailey is a great addition. I, I'm I'm in terribly excited for that. Um, I think Kevin Knight is a you know a, one of those guys that I don't think people really 100 percent know what they're getting, uh, and I think they will be pleasantly surprised if you're if you're just parachuting in for best of the super juniors um i love best of the super juniors i think it's one of the the most fun important and 
the possibility of really great matches is always there. Um, so I definitely look forward to this time of year. But I, th- I think I'm most excited about guys who haven't really made a mark yet and if they'll make a mark. Um, and if that means they're going to stick around a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, and I'm, here's what else I'm happy with too. And again, it's not like we're getting these massive junior superstars from every promotion and all that, you know, it's not like, you know, it's 94 super Jacob um, or 95, whatever one. Um, but to me, this the people that are that are in this tournament every single one of them and help me if i'm wrong but every single one of them helps new japan pro wrestling and it doesn't help anyone else and i like that i like the fact that guys who haven't had an opportunity are going to have an opportunity I like the fact that it's a tournament that is, dare I say, mostly homegrown. Like, I like that. I like that. Um, and and you take a guy like Mike Bailey, who, you know, he, he he's not a full-time New Japan pro wrestling um, wrestler. You know, he's not contracted or anything, but being used more and more. Um, and maybe... With this tournament, they use him even further, right? Um, I kind of, I, I like this. Uh, I like it a lot. I like the fact that every every one of those people helps support the idea of improving the junior division in New Japan Pro Wrestling. A gun to your heads. Give me a quick final and winner. So, from me... Depends, you know, am I going to carry through the courage of my convictions with Watermania? Because Despi's right there. And I know that they would love to do Despi Hiromu again in front of a cheering crowd. And I think they won't be able to resist that temptation. So I'm thinking a Despi versus either Ishimori or Leo Rush final. I'm going to Leo Rush just because I think Despi versus Leo Rush would be a really cool final. So I'll say Despi, Leo Rush, final, Despi wins. That's not bad. That's 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 actually fun. <sighs> yeah, that's not bad. I like that. Do you think... How about a guy like Kushida? Do you see him making any waves now? He could, but I just think now that he's a tag champion that he will be tied up in tag champion things. But I would not rule it out. I mean, I'm looking... There's just so many tasty matches here, like Kushida versus TJP, Kushida versus Hiromu, them locking Mm -hmm. horns again after that great series they had in 2017. There's so much to be excited about there. But no, I I would... You can't really hand-wave any of these guys. I think the sort of points differential between top and bottom is going to be quite tight. I can't see anyone from there, maybe with the exception of Taguchi sort of doing less than six. I think all these guys could be... Who are the guys that you think go under 500? T-Tan? Okay, Taguchi, T-Tan. 
Yeah, maybe Mike Bailey. I don't know. I think I'm curious to see. How That's what I'm saying too. Books, yeah, but I think so too. Possibly, possibly Doki. I'm not sure about Doki because I think he's a guy who could get you know six or eight points. Eight points. I think eight points for Doki, but he could be a guy that pins Hiromu during the the block and earns himself a, a title shot later down the line. So. You know, even if you, these are not guys right. that are necessarily in the mix of the final night, there are still uh, prizes to be gained by pinning the champion. Right. Who's the guy that starts it? All right, so there's always, in every New Japan tournament, there's always, like, the guy that you don't expect, you know, after four nights or five nights, uh, you know, they're at the top of the table, Right. Uh, and then they shit the bed, <laughs> you know, they lose and, you know, they're out of the running. Um, who's that guy for you? Who's, we'll call it the, uh, uh, the Shelton know. Benjamin I don't know. <laughs> memorial role. Uh, I would say, uh, <laughs> Clark Connors. I think Clark Connors is your guy this year. Hmm. That's not a bad pick. See, I was going to go Doki for that. Um, because he seems like a guy that, you know, will cause a lot of waves in the beginning and then, you know, perfectly fine to fall off at the end. So I, I that'll be my pick. So uh, after five nights, we'll call it five nights. When you want to do five nights? After five nights, who's going to have more points? Doki or um, who'd you pick? I'm sorry. Clark Connors. I just think with the new bullet coat, coat of paint, I think he needs... Uh, a hot early run. No, I'm going to stick with my guns and say, Clark, uh, what is he calling himself? 100% yeah. proof That's Clark, right. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, whatever. Uh, okay, for a million dollars. All right. Million dollars on the line. The million dollar, <laughs> a million dollar challenge. Can't wait to win a million dollars. <laughs> All uh, right, all right, uh, yeah. But uh, I'm excited for Best of the Super Juniors. It's it should be really fun. And uh, like I said, I like the lineup. I think it's uh, a positive for New Japan. And let's go. Let's do it. Okay, uh, that actually transitions nicely to the first match I wanted to discuss uh, from the Road to Wrestling Dontaku in the Hiroshima Sun Plaza Hall. I'm skipping the undercard. I'm going straight to. The seventh match, which is a special singles match with Tetsuya Naito defeating Doki in 15 minutes, 55 seconds via Destino. So um, I liked uh, Doki going after Naito before he'd even undressed and him wrestling half the match in his with half his suit hanging off. Um, yeah, as I said before, I think Doki looking competitive is a sign that he's not just going to be the jobber in Best of the Super Juniors. Not that he was last year by any means, but again, I do sort of like the the possibility of him pinning Hiromu, getting a a challenge at Kizuna Road or something for the junior title. I think that could be like a very lively uh, Korakuen Hall main event that uh, you you would not expect Doki to win, but it would be just a a good spot for him. And I think he's had uh, terrific singles matches with Hiromu in the past. So, um, yeah, good to see Doki getting a bit of shine here, even if nobody expected him to win. And Naito, uh, he's having a bit of a strange year, Tetsuya Naito. Not a bad year, but he's just been placed against opponents who seem to have more babyface energy, more babyface upside than him, 
guys like Shota, ELP, uh, and Sanada in the cup, uh, Doki in this match. Like it, every guy he's been up against in prominent singles matches have been guys that I think the crowd want to cheer or, or should have wanted to cheer at least. And, and the match was solid here, but it felt more like a, a step towards a Naito versus Sanada match at Dominion. Like the post match with Naito doing the Sanada gesture, you know, that polite sort of fuck off out of the ring <laughs> thing that Sanada does. And Sanada mm-hmm. gave Naito a little look. That, it to me, it, that's nailed on at this point. It's it's going to be Sanada defending the title against Naito because we've got this sort of LIJ versus Just Five Guys feud running at the moment. So I think that is the direction and we could very well be looking at Naito winning the title there. But he's just having a bit of an, an odd year so far. Is it just me or are you, are you getting weird vibes from Naito too? No, absolutely. You know, uh, I don't think... Look, if you put a gun to you, to the head uh, you know, at the beginning of the year... I don't think anybody would sit here and say that, you know, at any point during the year, you'd have a singles match between Naito and Toki, right? right? Like, I I would never have predicted that. Um, I, I guess the biggest challenge that I had with this match is that at no point did I think Toki was winning, right? And 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 you, you had mentioned that. Like, at no point. Like, and I think that's... I don't know. I think I think you automatically going into a match if you feel you know the possibilities of an upset being minimal. Uh, I don't know. It kind of takes takes away the well the fun factor, I guess. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, I think I think all roads lead to a, a Naito Sonata match. I mean, it may make sense. I mean, that's if you if. You know, he's if if he's defending the title against anyone, you kind of would think Naito would be the guy, being that you know everything that went down to have him leave Los Ingobernables and join uh, just five guys or four guys at the time or whatever the case may be. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this was a, a foregone conclusion to be quite honest with you. But yeah, he's had a weird year. It's it's not like he's had a ton of time with. I don't know, like his traditional, and I'll put in air quotes, opponents. Like the guys that you see at the top of a card, it hasn't really been so far that kind of year for him. Um, He's been, I mean, he's building himself. Like this match was there to give him a pin uh, to lead to future brighter stuff. And he'll be at the top of the card. But it's just, yeah, just kind of odd, different people that he's been in the ring with um, has been at a different level, should I say, than what I think we're normally expecting to see him in the ring with. And I think maybe that point extends to LIJ as a whole. I think in all of Hiromu's title defences, it feels like the crowd energy has been behind the challenger, whether that's Yo or uh, Robbie Eagles or Leo Rush or uh, even Kanemaru in this instance. And Shingo as well with the KOPW defences, like the Tenari defence and the, the Taichi defence. I'm not saying that LIJ are being positioned as heels, but it does seem like they're sort of shifting slightly towards the heel end of the spectrum because 
it's it's pretty fluid, I would say, the heel face dynamics. Apart from House of Torture, but all the others, it feels like there is room for sort of shuffling one way or the other, one way or the other. And it does feel that LIJ are not the wholly 100% lovable, everyone's room for them, pure baby faces that, you know, they were maybe two or three years ago. Right. And I will say that they, you know, a typical, and again, air quotes, Japanese crowd tends to skew a little bit more toward the underdog, right? And having the, that underdog energy of, you know, we're going to root for a guy to, to fucking shock the world. I think, um, and I think even in the States, that's, that's prevalent too. Um, but, but I think even a bigger, um, spotlight should be shined on the fact that it feels like to me, the fan base kind of wants the difference and wants the idea of freshness and new stars and, you know, when you, like, the last time, and, you know, I'm not saying that by doing this, it will be the same end results by no means. But what I kind of feel is this this upswell of, of guys who are looking to make their mark and uh, climb the ladder, so to speak. S- very similar vibes to that of like all Japan in like 89 and 90. And I'm not saying we're comparing anyone to some of the all-time legends of 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 the game, you know, the Masawas, the Kawadas, uh, Kenta Kabashi, uh, we know the names. But, you know, the kind of like that old guard losing a little bit of their spots and some young guys kind of pushing up and i think that's good and again please i'm not saying that any of these guys that new japan is doing this with is going are going to just you know become some of the greatest of all time i'm not saying that but it's the same energy um and i kind of feel that in the crowds and the reactions and where who they're cheering for and Los Ingo Bernabalis might be that that old guard. It might very well be. I mean, let's put it this way. It's not going to be fucking Tenzan at this point. You know? Like that's that we're well past that point. But Los Ingo Bernabalis, you know, even again, even a guy like Hiroshi Tanahashi or uh, you know, guys that have been brought up through the system that you know, okay, they've 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 been there and done that. Maybe maybe it's a, a a fan reaction to okay, give give me something, give me something new. We're ready for it. That that's that that's the vibes I get. Right. Uh, speaking of getting things new, uh, we have new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions after the Intergalactic Jack Setters. Kevin Knight and Kushida defeated the champions, Francesco Akira and TJP, catch 2-2 in 19 minutes, 3 seconds with their new move, Culture Clash. That's culture spelt with a K and clash spelt with a K as well. So um, because Kevin Knight has two Ks in it and Kushida has a K in it. 
Um, my mind just went to a very dark place there, and I'm not. Me going too. To that thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you held my hand on that one because I felt it. Yeah, that, we uh, got a lot of K's there, right? You know what we're talking about, this <laughs> We got we got an awful lot of K's here. Uh, there might be you know three of them. I don't know. Uh, yeah, just uh, I'm not imagining right, <laughs> Kushida pitching something, and then Kevin Knight going. <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> Sit down. I need, to, I need to explain this to you. Yeah. I uh, but little, anyway, little... this yeah. <laughs> this was a, a really great match. Um, I love the opening exchange with TJP and Kushida. And throughout the match, actually, I thought they were the highlight here. And that is a match that you can circle in the A block calendar because both these guys, they're still so good and I think really underappreciated both TJP and Kushida. The, just the grappling was smooth as silk. I'm really looking forward to their singles match in the block. And when Akira and Kushida were going at it, there were some really nice Tajiri tributes there who, who trained both of them. Uh, TJP got his eyebrows split open somehow during this match, which always adds to to the drama. No idea how it happened. I, I watched it loads of times, but I just still couldn't pinpoint it. So it just must have been a, a freak accident, really. And... The match shifted into the classic modern New Japan tornado tag style closing stretch with the, you know the big flurry of double T moves and creative counter sequences. Just tremendous fun to watch, and you, you know you can tell so much work has gone into it. Like this is not just a bunch of singles wrestlers who've got nothing to do that are phoning it in. This is four guys who really valued this championship and this division and have elevated it with matches like this. Um, can I just call them IJS rather than intergalactic jet setters? So just IJS. Sure. So yeah, they, they use their new finisher here, and yeah, just as we predicted last week, we've got new champions here, and it was kind of cool to see Obari presenting the belts. I've not noticed that before, if it has happened. And I guess all the talk here is going to be about Kevin Knight because he's just got great energy, confidence, the the flair, the athleticism. He's already got that crowd connection at, at this young age. So huge, huge upside there. He's still got a way to go. You know, he's not the finished article. There are areas of his game that he needs to polish up, which I think was emphasized in this match by the three absolute pros that he was sharing the ring with. But, you know, these are the best guys that, that you can learn from in the business. And he's going to learn so much from just even the guys in his block in the best of super juniors, wrestling guys like Despi and, and even Yo, uh, Kanemaru, Bushi, Eagles, you know, these guys who have been doing this a long time and can help him improve. And, yeah, he needs to get the reps in here in Japan. But I mean, even so, he's got a long way to go. But what an achievement to hold IWGP gold already. And he's the first of his LA Dojo cohort, which might surprise some people, but it's not a huge surprise to anyone who's been listening to this podcast because I've been singing this praise right. from day one. He you know, ticks all the boxes for, for being a star. And he pointed out on Twitter, he's only the sixth African black champion in New Japan. He actually said five. He listed uh, Bob Sapp, MVP, Ricochet, Mercedes, but he did mention Fred Rosser, so I'm adding Fred Rosser to that. And there you go. I think that's important. You know, the representation matters, so I think that's something to celebrate. And from a personal perspective from him, Kevin said that he lost three man family members in the last few months, including his grandmother very recently. So um, I'm sure it's a, you know, a, a really uh, emotional and, and fantastic achievement for him. And also, look, let's give a word of appreciation for Catch 2-2. I was, you know, I was sad that they lost the championships because they've been brilliant, and I thought they you know, they had a fair chance of going on and breaking the record for the longest uh, the longest reign for these belts. Um, they've been excellent champions. They've helped revive this division. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was my first point is, you know, 
I got, I got, I got to throw flowers at Catch Two Two. It's, it's. They made every match. There, a, there wasn't a bad match. Like them as champions, there was not a bad match. Two, um, they made them interesting again. Like they made a division uh, and a title scene fresh and fun and. Um, you know, it, it it delivered everything that the junior tag championship should, right? Uh, great opening matches, great uh, matches, period. Um, exciting junior pro wrestling. Absolutely, a thousand percent. Um, and yes, I, I got to be honest. When I saw, you know, Kushida, Kevin Knight win, the first thing I thought of was the fact that you have been on that train from the jump when it came to Kevin Knight. Like, le- legitimately, if, any, if, if there is anyone aside from a family member <laughs> um, that was on board before you, prove it. Because I guarantee you. And here's the thing. It's not even a, I'm going to roll the dice and just randomly throw shit against the wall and hope it sticks kind of thing. No, you everything that you have said from the jump has been accurate, and, and here we are. Like, there is something to be said about New Japan investing time, effort, and money into this guy uh, and to put him in Japan, to do what he does, and now to be a champion. Like, think about all the people that New Japan had on that strong roster, and he has become the breakout. So far, the breakout. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty good. Not Fred Rosser, you know. I, I I can't put Tom Lawler in that mix because he to me he was all he was like a guy that you know he was he's a self made guy, um, you know not Alex Coughlin, not you know I know he's in Boulder Club right now but well you know I'll give him I'll give him Clark Connors too I'll give him I'll give you Clark Connors too, but I think it's very important and very significant that Kevin Knight. Uh, is the guy that they picked to be in this spot. I th- and, and Joel, you deserve all the credit for pointing that out. If you're a listener of this show and you have been on board from the jump when it comes to strong, there's, n- there's no one else. And I'm not just doing this to suck your dick. I'm doing this to, to point out the fact that Suck away, Dave. Don't stop. I'm, ne- I'm nearly finished. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, let me keep going. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it. Look, you you were on point from the jump, and and here's the good news too. Kevin Knight hasn't missed a beat. You know, hasn't missed a beat in that. So uh, good on you. Good on uh, catch two two. Good on uh, New Japan. Excellent job. The main event was the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship match with Hiromi Takahashi getting in his fourth successful defense against the challenger Yoshinobu Kanemaru. 
31 minutes, 58 seconds with the time pop two. So Hiromu retains. And the biggest takeaway coming out of this one is throwing flowers at Yoshinobu Kanemaru. And it was almost a shock that this was the first time he challenged for the IWGP junior title since he's been with New Japan. Uh, I was sure there must have been a you know, feel of defense in there somewhere, but this was his first one. And holy shit, did he make it a memorable one. Just an absolute tour de force with everything that we love about Kanemaru. Um, this was just a Kanemaru match from top to bottom. Just a masterclass of the way he controls and dominates and, and picks apart a, a body part and his charisma and his pacing and winning the crowd over, even though he's sort of quote unquote the, the bad guy. But, you know, I think he's sort of become the sort of lovable dastardly roguish uncle for a lot of fans to the point at which there was a huge amount of drama and cheering with those sort of near submission attempts and it felt like you know in the unlikely event of Hiromu tapping that the crowd would have exploded with joy as uh, Kanemaru win the titles because I think there's a lot of affection and a lot of recognition in the New Japan crowd for just how good Kanemaru is I mean this guy hasn't dropped a beat since since I started watching as a fan certainly I mean seven, eight years ago. I mean, this guy just doesn't seem to age. He doesn't seem to slow down. He's just got a particular skill set that he's very good at and he doesn't do anything crazy. Nothing sort of particularly high-flying. He says his, his high spots, but he's a, a fantastic base uh, and it was just great to see him show everything that he can do here, even though he didn't win the match. And, you know, if I did have one complaint about the match, and this is... I mean, I suppose I should move on to talking about Hiromu because I'm sort of starting to reevaluate this title reign because all the complaining that I have done about how stale Hiromu feels and I would love to see someone else have a run with a belt, this is a really fucking good reign. And I'm struggling to think of a better one in recent memory. Like, can you name a better junior heavyweight title reign than this in the last few years? Because I certainly can't. Between the, the Yo match, the Robbie match, the Leo match and this... This is some really high-level stuff yeah. in Hiromu. And a, a small nitpick I have is that the matches he's wrestling, it's like he is a blank canvas for his opponent to showcase everything that they're good at. And he's done that fantastically in all four of the title defenses so far and made his opponents look great. And it's like he's just sort of squeaked out the win. But the closing stretches, it's like he eats the opponent, like their entire arsenal of offense and then it's just he pops up and does his five big moves and then wins the match. There's no sort of yeah. creative transition between him being on the back foot and then him launching into a sequence of big moves to win the match. That's that's the only thing that's missing. If that had been there, if there was some sort of crafty or clever way that he would turn the tide and I don't know use his opponent's momentum against him or sort of pull something out to you know, flip things around, then I would think, great, these are you know close to perfection in terms of junior heavyweight wrestling matches, but we're missing that. It's just like he eats a load of moves and is getting battered and then suddenly, oh, there's the, you know, Hiromu bomber or whatever it's called and time bomb two and bang, he's won the match. So that's maybe a bit of a nitpick because if you take that to one side, these are really outstanding matches and I think Hiromu is having a fantastic year. This is a great reign and I don't know, like I'm, I'm looking at the 12 defense record breaking reign I, I don't even necessarily think that is a given at this point. It could just be a bit of misdirection because other wrestlers have done that before. But it's it's hard not to get 2017 
Okada vibes from this Hiromu Rain for a number of reasons. Like one, the, the thing I talked about, about the way that he showcases his opponent and makes his opponent look great. And Okada did that in his 2017-2018 reign. The, the length of it, just the, the status he has in the company. Um, I think we could be watching something quite special unfolding here. For all the criticism that Hiromu's received, I think I'm starting to do a U-turn and, and reevaluate this reign because the matches are, are really quite brilliant. Yeah, I think people, once again, just kind of feel the need to have that fresh face and that fresh, uh, you know, champion, or you know, and the possibility of this match versus, you know, you know, this guy versus the new champion, or this guy versus whatever. the The truth of the matter is, though, is that here's a guy who arguably is one of the greatest junior heavyweights New Japan has ever seen, uh, who consistently delivers when called upon um, is still extremely popular um, and still is willing to uh, make and help the challengers look strong. Now you are right in, in your criticism in the sense that, you know, it's, it almost feels Hulk Hogan ish where, you know, he, he gets beaten to a pulp for, I mean, a majority of the match, a lot of the match. Uh, and then you're right. He eats the guy's finisher and then big comeback and away we go. Uh, look, I think the idea of 12 title defenses, and again, that's what everybody's kind of you know, looking at as as being his goal, and he's even said it himself. The idea of it, uh, I guess, feels like the idea of fresh and new isn't going to happen. And you're right; it could be just a complete misdirection, and you know, he gets close to it, and you know, the guy who beats him winds up getting massive a massive rub from that. Um, is always the possibility, a thousand percent. Even if even if he does, even if he doesn't, wherever the story takes us, Hiromo is 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 again one of the one of the best junior heavyweights New Japan has ever had. Um, so the idea of him holding on to the title, I think. I mean. Aside from freshness and aside from it feeling new, like what other there's there's no one that's taking him off that perch. Even if he loses the title, there's no one taking him off that perch of being the guy when it comes to junior heavyweights. The one thing that I'm just scratching my head over is with all of that being said. Why are why are we doing or it, what feels to be doing Sonata Hiromo? Because Hiromo is not going to win that match. Like, why exactly are we doing that? Is that just a build to eventually get to Naito, like Sonata mowing through all of Lij? Uh, like, 
why would why would you have a guy that's going for a record be in the mix of something where you know he's not going to come on the right side of? Does that mean I, I, I have trouble understanding why he would be put in that position? Why would he be booked in that position unless we're looking at major angles and major shit? But to me, it feels like Sonata is going to eat a pin here and Naito is going to come out and do the old point at the belt, blah, blah, blah. You're my next. Uh, sorry, do you mean Hiromi's going to be a pin? Yes, yes, yes. Did I say Sonata? I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it just makes no sense to me. Why would Why would you put him in that position? Yeah, because I was about to say that the way this reign is going, it is building up to having that moment when Hiromu finally loses as something special and meaningful and, you know, a a real passing of the torture, whoever it is that wins. But yeah, if you plonk a defeat to Sanada in the middle of it, it, does it kind of take the shine off that? I don't know. I'll reserve judgment and wait and see how the Duntaku main plays out. But yeah, you raise a, a good point there. Right, it's just like you know, and I get the idea of you know the junior, you know, always struggles against the heavyweight. Okay, great, we're going to play that role again. Uh, but yeah, just to plop in. Look, anybody could be in that role. That's 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 the other thing. It's like like anyone could be that title defense um, if they built it up properly. Um, and you know why why do why are we choosing a guy that is in the middle of something that's going to try to be either a historic for Hiromu or b a major feather in the cap for for someone who ends the streak in the middle of that we're going to have him you know look at the lights to sonata all right <laughs> could, just, be, you know, could be could um, be laying groundwork for at. the uh, eventual Hiromu change to heavyweight possibly I mean, look, I know they tinkered with it a little bit. I know they, uh, you know, that's like after you do everything as a junior, that's usually the general progression. Uh, He's not going to get any bigger. Does that matter? Like, I I think it does in New Japan, right? It's not like he's going to grow. Can he get bulkier? Well, I mean, we all know how that can happen. I just, uh, I mean, how is that going to look? What is that going to be? You know, I, let's put it this way. If they didn't pull the trigger with Kushida, why would they pull the trigger with Hiromu? Maybe Kushida didn't want the trigger pulled. I mean, he's been quite vocal about a. Uh dismissing those rumors about him wanting to move to heavyweight and join bullet club so who knows i don't okay. know we're just speculating but um i, I yeah, think you it, don't I, have to join I, bullet club i'm trying to appreciate this this hiromu junior title reign while we're in the middle of it because i think it is it's pretty special and it's one uh yeah i i asked earlier when i was discussing the match can you name a better junior title reign in recent years in recent years I mean, Kushida had a decent run. I don't know if I would put it right up against Hiromu's, but he had he had some 
a decent run. Um, before that, no. Before Kushida, no. I mean, uh, I mean, there has been there have been stars that have held the belt, but we're talking about the run. You know, the the okay. So you win the belt, and the span in between. You know, where do you rank? He's got to be at the top of the list. You know, if not the very top of the list, because I I, you know, I'm old and I don't remember shit. <laughs> Shit. But we're talking recently, and we're not talking like '90s, and we're not talking. Yeah, I mean, you gotta, you, you gotta. I think so. And and what's amazing to me, Joel, is that I don't think many people are talking about it. Like, I can't believe I'm going to say the words, but it's May soon, like two days or a day or so. It'll be May. Is Hiromu? For New Japan Pro Wrestling, a contender for Wrestler of the Year? Uh, I think he has to be at this point. Absolutely. Without a doubt, he's in the mix. If you polled people and said, okay, give me your three picks, do you think the majority of people would put Hiromu in that list? I guess my point is this. It feels very underrated, this run. It feels very underrated. It doesn't feel like it's getting the 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 juice from people that it should am i out of my mind well this is where it all changes damon because we are the the, the tastemakers and the trendsetters <laughs> so now when people listen to this podcast the groundswell of support for hiromu will begin yep you're right you know what you're right we will it into the new japan universe <laughs> we yes okay so then now everyone will jump on board okay good well, good. It's well-deserved. All right. So that was the show in Hiroshima. So let's move on to Saturday's show in Kagoshima. This was Wrestling Satsuma no Kuni. And what is worth discussing here? Okay, now I'm going to save to talk about Young Lions for when we preview Don Taku. Let's just skip straight ahead to the eighth match, which was the IWGP Tag Team Championship match with Aussie Open, Carl Fletcher and Mark Davis getting in their second successful defense against the challenger team, TMDK, Shane Haste and Mikey Nichols. 24 minutes, 58 seconds with the Coriolis. Uh, I thought this was a really good match. It Not as enjoyable as the one that they had during the World Tag League. I thought that one was a bit better, but still very, very high level stuff. And I just feel that, I feel a bit sorry for TMDK that they've, they're a bit unlucky to have basically made their debut at the same time as Aussie Open, who are having this uh, fantastic run and, uh, in the mix for tag team of the year and it just feels like tmdk are in their shadows at the moment and they're a really good tag team i thought tmdk had a great world tag league as well and you know that's something that can play into the story if they lean into that and you know there's i, I think a, a long-term story to be told with that but they're a really really good tag team and i even though they lost here i feel that they need to get their flowers as well particularly shane haste who he's great like it doesn't matter who he's teaming with whether it's uh, Tito when he's in the States or whether it's uh, Mikey when he's in Japan. He's just so fun to watch. Like not just a wrestling, like, he's a really good wrestler, but there's just this sort of kind of manic energy to him that is just very uh, watchable. He's a very charismatic guy. And I just, I wonder if there's uh, a successful singles run in his future, because I just think he's 
a, a very, very talented wrestler. And uh, of course, after this, we had uh, Evil and Yudro <laughs> attacking uh, Aussie yeah. Open, and we look like to be setting up a, a three-way match between Aussie Open and Bishamon and Evil and Yudro, which, uh, yeah, uh, um, yeah, less said about that, the better. But uh, what did you think of Aussie Open against TMDK? Um, I thought it was very good. The and, um, It's funny that you said that about TMDK because uh, I was actually having a conversation and the if if TMDK were in New Japan at any other time, like they would be, dare I say, if not tag team champions, they would be like like seriously in the mix. Like there would be a heavy duty program. Um, if if that were at any point back in the in in the in the past um unfortunately they've they they're they're there with a, with an absolute juggernaut of Aussie Open and it, that's they're the arsenal of the tag division any <laughs> other year they'd be champions but they just so happen to be right. yeah against the juggernaut team yeah i mean it's uh it's a shame um i will say this and and jog my memory if i'm if i'm out of my mind here. So we have United Empire. We have TMDK. We have Bullet Club. To, to me, do we need all three? I know one feels a little bit more heelish and one feels a little bit more baby faceish, and one kind of tweens in between. But do we need the three? All right, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say we got three factions run by white guys. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. Um, it seems like a lot. No, no. The the leader of United Empire is Great Ocon. No, oh, okay, okay. Os- Osprey Osprey said it himself. Is that right? <laughs> Ocon is the leader. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Uh, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to disagree. But um, again, I'm just I'm just pointing it out. Just pointing it out that um, I don't remember uh, this ever really happening before. It seems like there's a lot of factions um, and a lot of factions that uh, are not Japanese based. It feels like, but just throwing it out there that we have a what feels like, and again. They all have seem to have their own vibe, so to speak. But okay, there we are. Uh, good match. Would I say it was better than more hmm, Probably not. Probably not. But still good. Real good. Real good. Uh yeah, I was very disappointed to see. House of Torture, Ooh. Uh, especially that version, like that that Yujiro <laughs> evil combination, really was. Uh. Do you remember when they got to the finals of the World Tag League? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, look, they're in the mix, guys. They're in the mix. If 
or for at least a tag title. What, what scares me about that, the, the thing that upsets me the most is this being potential groundwork to have Yudro back in the G1. And, oh, Christ. Yeah, please. No, no, no. I get the idea no, of people. There, there are people that have to lose, but... Yeah, I would I would be totally okay. Like like even the argument of, well, he's a really good wrestler and he's, you know, he's just playing a role of blah blah blah. Yeah, still. Could you say that in the year 2023? Like he has the technical wherewithal in his head maybe, but physically is he there? I don't know. Look, there's a, there's a thousand people I'd rather see um being the pin eater than than Yujiro, but I got a strange feeling we're going to have Yujiro in G1. I really do. Uh, anyway, so uh, the main event was the KPW 2023 provisional match uh, with a Takagi triad match where the challenger, Taichi, God bless, uh, won the match against the holder, Shingo Takagi, in 43 minutes wow. and 40 seconds by referee stoppage uh, when uh, Shingo was stuck in the Seite Jujiro. So this, I really love this match. I, I thought it was great. It had like a big match feel, like Shingo did his special entrance for this. And, you know, God bless Shingo Takagi for managing to make something out of this KOPW nonsense. And he's just worked absolute wonders with it to turn it from the... Yano bullshit comedy shenanigans belt to actually having these matches with some creativity and some interesting stipulations that play with the dynamics and subvert traditional expectations of a wrestling match and giving some shine to other challengers and competitors in in recent history. So he's done amazing with that. I think his reign has run its course and I think it's time for him to move on and do something else. So he's been a a terrific champion and I'm really excited to see where Taichi takes it because I think he is also a creative genius when it comes to stuff like this. So I'm very excited to see where this goes next. Um, I liked the fact that both guys had their stable mates, their ringsides for, you know, provisionally there for the towel throw, but that's the kind of thing that adds drama to a match. I just love seeing guys seconded with, uh, you know, their A teammate or more than one. And I know this one went 43 minutes, 40 seconds, which looks scary on paper, but, and I know I may be in the minority. I thought it was really well paced. I thought both guys were trying to get points on the board straight away using the various stipulations in a realistic way. Like there was a bit where Taichi got up from a 10 count and then Shingo straight away tried to lock in a submission. Like didn't give him any time to rest. So they, they weren't sort of going through the traditional tropes of a, a pro wrestling match. They were sort of playing around with it and going after the different criteria to win in a realistic way. And they didn't score all five of them. Like I thought, you know, maybe Shingo would get the the KO and the pinfall and Taichi would get a submission and a count out. I thought there'd be some variety there, but they didn't. They got the same ones, but all five of them were teased in a meaningful way at some point in another the match. Um, I mean, it might've been cool to have them score in different ways, but I think that's a bit of a nitpick. And yeah, I, I understand the length of the match might be too much for some, but for me personally, it held my attention throughout. The only thing I disliked about the match was the finish where Shingo was unconscious, uh, locked in the Seite Jujuro, and then Hiromu popped up and was waving the towel around. And 
urging Shingo to fight out of it. And I felt what that what it needed at that point is for Shingo to sort of hear Hiromi's voice and snap out of it and just fire up one last time. But then Taichi just locked the hold and even tighter to, to get the stoppage or the submission. Like the fact that Shingo was just basically unconscious for like the final three minutes of the match was a bit weird. And it had me side-eyeing Red Shoes because that was very poor refereeing. And there was another bit in the match as well that he fucked up when Taichi got up with the 10 count and um, Red Shoes just stopped the count. <laughs> Shingo hadn't got up yet. So Red Shoes was a bit shit in this match. But um, I thought it was really good. I think these guys got great chemistry. Um, I think it is time for them to move on and stop wrestling each other in KOPW matches. But I've really enjoyed the series and I'm very happy that Taichi is champion. And yeah, I thought this was really good. Yep. Underrated feud of the year so far. Um, underrated um, title reign from Shingo, because not only are we asking Shingo to say, okay, go out there and have a great match. We're saying, go out there, have a great match, and we're going to throw in all these different handcuffs, so to speak, that he doesn't turn into handcuffs. You know, it's it's creatively done and you're right it's not you know we're not falling into the same uh, i guess like what he has been able to do is not only have great matches under difficult situations um he's elevated a title that once again, is just why do we have this fucking thing to begin with? But yet he's taken it and he's made it so that people care about it. Um, would I be upset if we just lost it tomorrow? Nope. But if this is if this is the plate of shit that you know some somebody came up with, he's making the most of it. It's not you know it's. It's different and it's, but yet, I mean, there's a certain element of hokiness to it, but honestly, it, the hokiness is just in the ideas of these matches being, you know, under these specific rules. The execution of it is creative and fun and provides excitement and provides just a different twist on your traditional, and again, air quotes, pro wrestling. I, I, look, for a guy who's been in the business as long as he has, Shingo I'm talking about, um, I'm sure that over the years he's collected a lot of thoughts about doing, not necessarily this, but you know, just kind of doing scenarios in his mind uh, that revolve around a pro wrestling ring. Uh, I'm not saying all of these are his ideas, but uh, the execution of these ideas are, it's pretty amazing. And you got to give credit because your other options back not too long ago was just silliness and nonsense. And, uh, you know, you're left scratching your head like, why am I even watching this, let alone give a shit about it? Um, and what they've done is they, they've been able to uh, make this something worth caring about. 
So hats off. And I think Taichi will do the same. I definitely do. I think he'll do the same. Um, he's He's been very creative as well. So underrated feud of the year. Underrated title run from Shingo. Um, and and I look, I look forward to the matches. And that's, the, you know, there's interest and excitement for it. Is the belt meaningful? It much more than it was before. Let's put it that way. And to me, if you're if you're given a plate of shit and you turned it into something edible, um, that's saying something. So hats off to them. Yeah, it's just some really nice little memorable moments. Like uh, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Tai Chi Tip, one of his big moves, and then just sort of muscle memory went to pin Shingo, but then. The referee mm. was like, no, you've already scored a pinfall. You can't score another pinfall. And Taichi's like, oh, fuck. So just the, the little stuff like that, that you don't usually get those moments in a normal New Japan wrestling match. So it's just the, the creativity with the stipulations has been really fun and I think underappreciated. So well done. Uh, long may it continue. Uh, Greg says, is the KOPW title now the never title? Is the never title now the US title? Is there still a US title? Is the strong title the intercontinental title? What title should we make next? And yeah, this sort of illustrates my earlier point that titles start off with a uh, an identity which just quickly goes down the shitter. Um, but it does feel that KOPW has become that kind of heavy hitting secondary title where you expect to see, you know, big dudes whacking each other really hard. That, that's what it's been like this year. So, uh, yeah, those identities are not set in stone and they're in flux and, you know, Taichi may make it into something else. I don't think it will, though. I mean, I think if you are the sort of person that is looking for that kind of hard hitting, uh, stiff striking match, I think KOPW is your go-to at this point because, uh, yeah, that's not what the Never title is right now. So, um, yeah, there you go. Uh, that is KOPW. So uh, let's move on to preview Wednesday's show. This is Wrestling Gonkaku in the Fukuoka mm. Convention Center. So we are going to start off with kickoff match. This is a five-minute limit. It's the Young Lion consecutive battle match where it was announced that it, the opportunity has been given to Ryohei Oiwa. So Oiwa will face Yuto Nakashima and Oscar Loiber and Oleg Bolton. And if he manages to beat all of them, then he wins 200,000 yens worth of yakiniku barbecue. And we'll also get a, a future uh, title shot against Zack Sabre Jr. for the, the TV title. If he, if he beats one guy, I think he gets 10,000 yen of uh, yakiniku. If he beats two guys, I think it's 50,000 Is this Mr. Beast? <laughs> Like, I know. This is what it feels it's like. very silly. Yeah. But, um, I, I mean, the, the only, the real stake here is uh, stake. <laughs> well, the stakes here are uh, for the that TV title shot. So, I don't know. I, there's just a lot going into this one. First of all, uh, Andrew on the Discord pointed this out, that Oiwa and Nakashima were having a really interesting and, and heated back and forth on Twitter really putting over the match. Nakashima saying that he hates Oiwa and Fuji to get all the attention and all, all the big chances from the company. He hates people like Oiwa who are the, the smooth talkers and, you know, try and make friends with everyone. So he says he's going to beat him to a pulp. Uh, Oiwa saying that Nakashima always plays the victim. He's got a loser's mentality and he's never going to achieve anything. So I just, I looked at the translations of this and they were just doing a, a lot of great work making it sound like they hate each other and putting a bit of spice into this. 
Uh, Nakashima saying he's got nothing in common with Oiwa, like they're from completely different backgrounds, different ways of life. Uh, so it's almost sort of setting up the sort of early day Okada vibes to Oiwa, like sort of, you know, the, the spoiled rich kid vibes. Uh, and then there's the Oleg Bolton angle to this because he's also involved in the match and he had his debut singles match in Osaka last week against Oiwa. Uh, and now this one was really interesting because you, you may remember that when Oleg had his exhibition debut match at Wrestle Kingdom, that was a five-minute exhibition match. That was also with Oiwa. But keep in mind that Oiwa has been around for two years now, debuted in 2021. And when he had this match in Osaka against Oleg Bolton, which was Oleg Bolton's first ever competitive singles match, uh, it went to a a 10-minute time limit draw. And the match ended with Oiwa stuck in Oleg's Boston Crab and like basically just hanging on for survival. So Oleg Bolton dominated that, which is quite unusual because, you know, usually if you've had a young lion who's been there for two years against a young lion who's having their first ever singles match, you would expect the two-year, tenured young lion to get a, a comfortable win over the guy who's making their their debut singles match. So, you know, maybe I'm grasping at straws here because I'm sort of desperate to point out, look, it's different with Oleg Bolton after I uh, (laughs) completely shat the bed saying that he's not going to be presented as young line and he was. But basically the reason I'm talking about all this is I cannot see Oiwa beating not only Nakashima and Oscar Loiba, but also Oleg Bolton within five minutes after, you know, he was not able to, he was barely able to survive a 10 minute match with him, let alone beat him in a five minute match. So, you know, they're not deferring to the seniority with Bolton. And um, yeah, that definitely adds a bit of intrigue to this match because, you know, we could have it that he beats Nakashima and Loiber and doesn't, and, and you know, goes to another time and draw against Oleg. But then that kind of wastes that stipulation that the, uh, if he wins, he gets that TV title shot against Zack Sabre Jr. Because of course, there's that other angle with Fujita, who was his, you know, his um, roommate or whatever it was, who's now you know, quote unquote, betrayed him and joined TMDK to become Zach's understudy. Uh, and of course, Fujita is not involved in this match, but, you know, there's a, a lot going on with this. There's a lot of sort of narrative threads to this that make it really intriguing. And I would love to see Oiwa win it and have that match against Zach, but I just don't think he's going to do it. I think, I'm not saying that Oleg has been set up as a generational rival for him, but in the short term, at least, they are presenting him as a, a serious obstacle. So I don't know which way this one's going to go. I, 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 I don't know, Damon. What do you think? <laughs> uh, well, look, I don't think we're going to see 100,000 yen worth of, uh, uh, what is it, noodles, beef? What are they getting? Steak? Uh, I don't know if that's going to be uh, changing hands. I can't. Yeah, I mean... I, I just see maybe getting a win. I, I don't see him cleaning the table, uh, getting all three. I mean, I think he, I, I just don't see that. I, I, I don't know how they would like, if he's, if he's winning all those matches, then okay. Now would he like, just on paper, would you consider him, still a young lion at that point you know you've defeated all of them within that time frame it's like all right now now what <laughs> right like like you know tv title match aside he's not a young lion in my mind anymore so 
Anyway, uh, I think he wins one. Yeah, but he, I don't think he's, he sweeps. I, I can't see that happening. All right, the first match is uh, Yo Toriyano, Yoshihashi, and Hiroki Goto against Ditogo, Sho, Yujiro, and Evil. Whew. So I'm imagining that this is there just to set up uh, some conflict between Bishamon and Yujiro and Evil leading into their three-way tag title match. But uh, And, of course, we've got Sho and Yo on opposite sides of this match. They are... Are they in the same... No, I think they're in different mm. blocks for Best of the Super Juniors. There's nothing to that either. So, uh, yeah, there you go. There's the first match. Um, expect. <laughs> exactly. Right. Okay. I don't know. You just throw a dart and uh, whoever it lands on is going to pin Dick Togo. Let's go Gotto pins Dick. Uh, did you want me to go on about this? Being, you probably have something in the house that's fucking you up. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's this is a uh, a uh, placeholder for us to move on with tag stuff. So I want to be surprised if we see House of Torture with the winneroo. So fingers crossed. Uh, second match with a 20-minute time limit, we've got the TMDK team of Kosei Fujita, Shane Haste, and Mikey Nichols against the United Empire team, Great Okan, Carl Fletcher, and Mark Davis. So of course, we've got the sort of residual feuds uh, between TMDK and Aussie Open. However, the match on the Kagoshima show with Zach and Fujita versus Cobb and Okan was Fantastic, particularly for Fujita. Fujita was amazing in that match. Like, if you've not seen it, I would strongly recommend going out of your way to watch that just for Fujita. And I think is going to do the same here. So do keep a close eye on Fujita in this match. He's almost certainly going to be eating a fool, but he was just doing absolute gangbusters, um, laying in all his big moves and just putting in 100%. I don't know why, but he looked great in that match. And I think he's going to be the one to watch in this match. So... Uh, I expect, I don't know, Okan has been talking about him and Cobb getting back into the mix with the tag division. So I will say Okan to get another four over Fujita here with a a submission. Yeah. We're still waiting for that big, you know, I mean, I know tag belts are tag belts, but we're still still waiting for Okan to kind of make that next level jump. Maybe we have to wait a little bit longer. But yeah, uh, I think I wouldn't have a problem with that. I'm jumping back into the fray. Tag titles mixed. Tag titles, truth be told. But no, that doesn't make sense then because his, his stable mates are the champions. So it's not going to be Carl well, versus Aussie Open. So I might just be talking okay. shit there. Just ignore me. Mm, I mean, there's no guarantee Aussie Open has belts, you know, <laughs> as titles for a long time. I mean, that's a great wish, I, I, and I'm right on board with it. But like, I don't know if that's a, a you know, a guarantee that we're gonna they're gonna be holding on to the belts past the summer. Uh, who knows? Um, so yeah, maybe down the line we'll see that. All right, third match is Kevin Knight, Kushida, and Shota Umino against Francesco Acura, TJP, and Aaron Henare. Uh, I just expect, um, I don't know, I'll just say an, another win for the team of the Intergalactic Jet Setters plus Shota to solidify themselves as the new champions. So let's say uh, Kushida getting a pin or submission win over Francesca Acura. Oh, no, I think they're going to pair off for their Super Juniors block. So it's either going to be something between yep. Kevin Knight and Acura or Kushida and TJP. 
So one of those combinations, I think, will probably finish this match. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I think I don't I can't see them like winning the match with it, meaning that they're getting a rematch for the titles. But I do see things being kind of uh, set up for them for best of the Super Junior. All right. Uh, fourth match then is Bushi, Shingo and Naito against Doki, Kanemaru and Taichi. So as we said, I think we are heading towards Naito versus Sanada at Dominion. So who knows? There might be another sort of challenger for Naito along the way. Maybe he's got to be another just five guys guy along the way in order to earn that. Uh, so he's already beaten Doki. Could it be Taichi? I mean, could Naito be getting in the KOPW mix? I wouldn't rule it out. Um, could it yeah. be Kanemaru? Could we be getting Naito versus Kanemaru? That would be a very fun match. I don't know. But uh, I'm, I'm looking at a Naito win here. Yeah, okay. I mean, the, the, the biggest monkey wrench that I have to throw into that is Bushi is on the other side. You know what I mean? Like, if anybody's going to take a fall, fucking Bushi's going to take a fall. So, um, that's a, that That would be my only concern. I could see after the match a lot of finger pointing, a lot of all that shit. But the fact that Bushi's in this match kind of, I don't know, I, I, I feel like he's the guy looking at the lights. Then we will have cards for the best of the Super Juniors announced. Uh, then we'll have the fifth match, which will be the strong openweight championship match with Kenta and his third defense against the challenger, Hikuleo. Uh, yeah. I I just am increasingly having my worries about Kenta. Uh, I suspect this will be quite a slow and plodding match. I think for, I think the best kind of dance partner for Hikuleo is someone who can take a load of bumps for him and make him look like a monster. And I'm not sure Kenta is that guy. So I'm imagining this match just sort of grinding to a halt with Kenta using some dastardly shenanigans to maybe injure Hikuleo's knee and then working over that at a glacial speed. And um, I don't know. I think Hikuleo really should be getting the win there. I mean, he needs something to capitalize on the fact that he booted Jay White out of Japan, which has lost absolutely every ounce Everything. of steam that it gained at the time. So right. Hikuleo should probably win this one. Fuck it. Let's say Hikuleo wins. Oh, I like the guts. I like the gutsy call. I would have no problem with that. Um, it you know, Hikaleo is not in the in the mighty twelve right now. Um, so yeah, he could definitely. I mean, I don't think anybody would care either way. To be quite honest with you, um, so I say let's do it. Give him the give him the give him one of the make him one of the twelve. Give Hikaleo the. Nice, nice little, uh, nice little token of appreciation. Yeah, because you're right that that the idea of him running Jay White out of Japan, boy, has that just been a, such a non-factor? It's unbelievable. But yeah, let's give him the title. Why not? All right. The next match that we have is the NJPW World uh, TV title match where. We have, uh, and of course, let's not forget that uh, the NJPW World TV Championship is for the younger wrestlers. So we've got Zack Sabre Jr. defending it against the 40-year-old Jeff Cobb as the challenger uh, in <laughs> Zack's sixth defense. Um, okay, terrific. 
guess, <laughs> speaking of reigns today that I think have run their course, I mean, have we sort of run the table as far as Zach and this TV championship has gone? Um, possibly. I mean, maybe just for the sake of freshness, I'm, I would not be against uh, Jeff Cobb winning here and then changing the NJPW or TV championship into the new Never title. So then he can have the 50-minute hard-hitting matches and then the KPW title will have to be something else and all the belts will have to do uh, musical chairs in terms of their various identities. But uh, yeah, this one's a bit of a coin toss really because I can see the arguments for both sides. But just for the sake of freshness and, and that I enjoy Jeff Cobb and want to see him doing cool wrestling and, and beating people up and throwing them around the ring. I, my, my heart is saying Jeff Cobb here. Here's the thing. I like both of them, right? I like both of them. I don't give a fuck who wins the title. <laughs> I don't care. It doesn't matter. Like, what does it matter? Uh, Jeff could win it. I'd be thrilled. Zach could successfully defend. I'd be thrilled. Um, like the premise of this title, I, I do enjoy. I actually do enjoy 15-minute match. I think that's fun. I think that can be, that can lead to different things. But like, can we stop reinventing the fucking wheel here? Like this title has this, <laughs> the KOPW has, you know, fucking, gr- you know, pull balls out of a bag uh, to kind of determine the match. Uh, it's just, truly i truly truly don't care who who has this title it doesn't matter uh and again i like both guys i think i even think the match is going to be really good i could give two fucks about this title and we will have the seventh match which is the never open weight six-man tag team championship match where the champions the strong style team of ren narita eldest brother and minoru suzuki will face the challenger team of Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, and Okada announced who his uh, mystery ex-partner is going to be. It will be Hiroshi Tanahashi. The caveat to that being that Ishii had previously said that he refuses to be in a title-challenging team with someone who's not in chaos. So he said that he would not team up with Tanahashi for this match. And when Okada announced today that it would be Tanahashi... Ishii got very angry and stormed off. So there's something brewing there. I don't know if this is just going to be something as simple as like El Desperado annoying Ishii so much that he gets angry and is like, fuck it, I'll team with Tanahashi anyway just to to beat up this little prick. Or if there's something more to it, if Ishii is now getting disillusioned with the leadership of uh, <laughs> chaos leadership of Okada, I can't even keep a straight face when I'm saying that, and is maybe going to look uh, for a new faction to join. I don't know. I mean, I know you have absolutely no time for the the past the parcel of factions, but that is a, a, a little wrinkle going into this one. Uh, Okada, the the feud between Okada and Narita is really good. I've been enjoying that. A lot. I think the the promos, the the trash talking between Okada and Ren has been very, very good. And I would love to see a singles match between them. Okada has been talking about how he wants to win these titles and defend them at Forbidden Door. And to be honest, I could see that trios team of Okada, Tanahashi and Ishii being the kind of trios team that a US audience would love to see. You know, them defending it against like an AEW trios team. I think that would be 
uh, the, the sort of thing that you know, a casual Western fan would be like, whoa, Okada Tanahashi and Ishii on the same team. This is going to be great. And it would be a lot of fun. So yeah, this one is very difficult to pick as well. Um, I, I just think something about the optics of Okada being a never overweight six-man champion is fundamentally wrong. So Correct. I think uh, Strong Style are going to retain but just watch watch this space with regards to Ishii and his relationship with the others. And also watch for Ren and Okada because I think there is a, a singles match brewing or something. Yeah, I definitely agree with the singles match happening sooner than later. Um, Ishii, I mean, keep in mind, you know, he he never got that rematch <laughs> from from beating... Uh, was it 2016? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So there's probably still some lingering. I mean, there's really, that's long-term storytelling, Joel. I don't know if you know, long-term. That's what that's the that's the big thing now. Everybody loves the long-term storytelling. Um, uh, you know, them winning the titles. You're right. It, it would probably be the most interesting thing from a U.S. perspective if they did defend and add to the fact. I don't want to say it's a night off, but you know you don't have Hiroshi Tanahashi uh, in a singles match. You don't have Okada in a singles match. Um, so some of the heavy lifting is is given to other people in in that venue. Um, that being said, I just can't. And it's not like Hiroshi Tanahashi never held the never six man titles. I mean, he's held it with. Uh, um, the the uh, newfound Christian Michael Elgin. <laughs> uh, so you know, hey, stranger things have fucking happened. But it just will be very weird if you see never six man champion Okada uh, rolling to the ring wearing a, a title that, dare I say, is beneath him. Agreed. Uh, the eighth match is the Never Openweight Championship match with the challenger Tamatonga in his second defense against the challenger David Finlay. Uh, Finlay's been cutting some very good promos. Uh, again, there's very something. There's a quiet menace about his promos, so I would recommend checking them out because uh, I think they did a, a lot to build up this match, and they also had a really good match today. It was uh, Finlay and Ghetto against. Tamatonga and Master Watto and it sort of bled into the, the previous match which had Kenta and Hikaleo and Jado in it so um, yeah this is an interesting one Finley's been talking about uh, how his and Tamatonga's fathers and how they were killers and you know, does Tama still have that killer instinct has he, has he got it enough to you know still be the never open weight champion and I always had this crazy thought in my head of Tamatonga coming back to Bullet Club uh, to join this uh, David Finlay team of killers. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But it was just a little idea that popped in my head. Um, I think this is two guys who have quite a lot to prove. This is a big, big match for them. It's the semi-main event of Dontaku, which is, you know, it's not one of the flagship shows for New Japan, but it's a pretty big one, all things considered. So they've got a big spot here. And I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on them to... To deliver here if they are going to step up and prove that they are worthy of being in these spots then i think they've got to deliver here because you know these are the sort of names where the casual fans who don't really keep up with new japan see guys like tamatonga and david finlay at the top of cards and 
roll their eyes and think, oh, you know, New Japan in the mud, whatever. And, and it's up to them to be in spots like this and to, and to prove them wrong. So I don't know. I, I think David Finlay should probably win this. I think as the leader of Bullet Club, self-appointed leader of Bullet Club, then he needs a, a singles championship to, to back that up, really. Yeah. Um, there's... Look, there's no reason why they can't deliver, but I, this is. It, there's no denying that this is still a test, and it, and it's kind of weird to say because it feel like um, Tamatanga has delivered when called upon. Um, he, look, he hasn't been terrible. Has he been amazing? No, but I mean, he's definitely uh, has improved and definitely has up this game. Uh, but this is, is another one of those kind of tests to see, you know, you're high in the card. You're, you're in a, in a big spotlight match. Um, so not only can you, uh, you know, are you going to be tested in the ring to see if you can kind of cut the mustard there? It's, and, and both guys, mind you, but, but also um, outside the ring. Like what, you know, what can you do from, you know, if we're going to put you high in the card, we need, and expectations are, is that you're, you know, going to be counted on to sell tickets and draw money. Um, So I guess this is another step in that direction. Can that be done? I think the, the, you know, the, the jury is still out on that. But, you know, what position have they been put in to do that? Uh, Tamatanga to a, a limited degree. Uh, David Finley, I can't sit here and tell you that that's the case. Maybe a, a one cork and show, uh, but that's nothing to judge uh, somebody on if, if, if they uh, have that within them to be able to be a draw. We're going to see. Um, I'm hoping they knock the fucking ball out of the park. But it is a test. And here's the thing too. It's not like it's just Tama Tonga and, and David Finley that, that now have this, everybody that climbs that ladder, um, has those tests. Everyone, everyone, um, that's being put in that spot. So, um, for, you know, for the haters, for the doubters, I hope they, uh, make them eat their words. Can they do it? Yes. Uh, but we still, we, it's, it's a test. It's a test. And I think that's, I think now, especially, I think the fairly or unfairly, I think that's what everyone is tuning in specifically for this match to see. Um, not who wins the title. It's more along the lines of, okay, where are these two guys at when it comes to New Japan Pro Wrestling? And can these guys... Um, be counted on to not only deliver in the ring, but deliver in the box office. And the main event is the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match with the champion Sanada with his first defense against the challenger Hiromu Takahashi. So, you know, we touched on this earlier about how strange it was to have this dominant junior champion suddenly taken on the heavyweight champion where he's almost certainly going to pick up a loss here. And I do think that is the case. I do not see Hiromi winning this one. But it just puts them both in quite an awkward spot where 
Sanada is facing a challenge from a junior heavyweight who he should beat handily, whereas Hiromu is a dominant junior champion, so you don't want him losing comprehensively because he's the junior champion and he's been. you don't want him to look weak either. So they sort of put themselves in a bit of a lose-lose situation here. Uh, I think the match will be really good. And the fact that this event has sold out, I think, speaks volumes about how much the fans are into this match. I don't think it's a match. There's no reason why they would have wrestled each other before. Uh, so um, I'm quite excited for it, but also a little bit curious about the booking of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that that's really my biggest kind of question mark going into that main event is, again, why him? Um, why Hiromo? Um, look, I, 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 it does, to me, Hiromu can't just fucking take a pinfall. Like, there has to be something else involved here, whether that's uh, a challenge, whether that's a uh, future opponent, whether that's a, I don't know, something like to end the show on Hiromu losing is kind of like, okay, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> right. Um, whether the finish is wacky or something happens. Uh, it just, I don't know. It just seems really weird to, to, to go into this match kind of knowing like, it's such a, a case of man. It's, it, it, you know, this is definitely happening that, I feel like going against the grain is not the weirdest of options. Like, because it's so obvious that, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing Hiromu look at the lights that maybe he doesn't, I'm not saying Hiromu wins the title. How about this? Could, could you see Hiromu somehow winding up with just five guys? Ah, Wow. Um, no, I don't. I just think Hiromu is such a beloved character in New Japan that I think his loyalty is a big part of that. And, you know, thinking about his reaction, his, you know, visceral, guttural reaction to evil betraying them, you know, when he was in the ring screaming his head off and how upset that made him. Um, I just don't think it but fits wouldn't that make for character. Wouldn't that make for a better heel turn? Hiromu turning heel, man. Oh, that is that new is coat like of paint. a bit of a cash cow. It is, it is, <laughs> but it's a new coat of paint. It's uh it, it is a surprise. It is a um freshening up. It and again, it kind of delivers on the fact that you got a guy that's such a baby face when he does turn heel. It it would be it it certainly would be impactful, um, and and it kind of gets rid of the idea of Los Ingobernables, who maybe people feel are a little stale. Maybe it's maybe maybe there's a reason why there's so many factions. Maybe they're look you know a lot of this has to. I mean, again, I am I am fantasy booking this in my head, so please, but. You know, we got Ishii with a little uh, issue with Chaos. Maybe this is a little issue with Lij. Um, I'm just trying to think of something interesting because the idea of him just losing and then Naito getting in the ring and pointing and that just seems—I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where the benefit is here. 
Yes, <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to be uh, indulging in the fantasy booking, but um, yeah. I like it. I, I, you know, I just think if it is Sonata winning a you know thirty-five minute match and then Naito comes out and they're eyeballing each other, that seems the most likely outcome, but not the most interesting outcome. So hopefully they've got a few things up their sleeve to make some uh, tongues be wagging coming out of this uh, Dontaku card, which. Uh, you know, talked about my papers, pretty good cards. Like, how excited are you for this show as a whole? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Probably a five out of ten. Maybe maybe a six. Like, See, I said it's a pretty good card, and then I started scrolling through it, and I thought, actually, is it? <laughs> not sure it is. Right. right. I mean, it's not... It's an okay card. It's, right. It's pretty right. there. Yeah. It's mid, as the kids would say. It's mid. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I, I will say this, that a lot of times when you have shows that on paper might be, oh, okay, usually they go off, right? And not, not only the matches are great, but like shit happens. Um, so... You know who's not on this show? That's kind of weird. And I I don't know where this all fits in. There's no ELP on this show, right? Yeah, that's true. You think you might make a surprise appearance? I just know that Dontaku has a history of being Bullet Club heavy with not only matches, but uh, angles and shit. I don't know. Maybe. I just thought I just thought that name not being on that show seemed a little strange to me. So um maybe that's we're cooking up something here. Again, we're fantasy booking here. But uh you know, maybe that's maybe that's telling his absence. Um ELP that is. So I look again, the card itself, eh, but I'm hoping that they have things up their sleeve. All right. Well that will be Wrestling Dontaku on Wednesday, May the 3rd. All looking forward to that. And that will do it for today. So redcircle.com forward slash shows forward slash super dash j dash cast if you want to throw some money our way. Discord link you can get by sending me a direct message on Twitter at Cobra Kawaii and prowrestlingtees.com forward slash super j cast for our t-shirts. Big thank you to editor Dan. Find him on Twitter at lousyhero219. Subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling podcast network for other great shows. Give us a five-snake review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at the SuperJCast. Thank you, everybody, for listening and goodbye. Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling Noah. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Available on all of your favorite podcast apps.